Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, beginning verse 12. We looked at verse 12 last week uh, in light of sanctity of human life. I want to look at that again today along with these other passages. We won't deal with all these, but I want to read verses 12 through 30, and we'll spend a couple of three weeks probably in this particular passage because there's just so much there. But Jesus, again, is talking about being light of the world. This whole concept of light comes through. We even sang about that some today in singing, Shine on us, let the light of your face, the light of your glory shine on us. And we, we, we deal with that, we talk about that, and it's one of those concepts that sometimes we, we're so familiar with talking about it. We're so familiar with dealing with light uh, in relation to God, in relation to Jesus Christ, that it can become just kind of a... Uh, a casual discussion. It's very, very important that we understand the significance of and the importance of what Jesus says about light and about him being the light. So hear the word of the Lord as I begin reading in verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it. But I and the Father who sent me, even, even in your law, it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. In other words, Jesus is saying, all of these signs, all of these miracles, all of these things you have observed taking place is not just me doing some kind of hocus pocus in your presence. That is the Father testifying about who I am. Verse 19, so they were saying to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father too. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away and you will seek me and will die in your sin for where I am going you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, What I have been saying to you from what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking of them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, 
And I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. This is the word of our Lord. Jesus is talking about light. He's talking about the contrast between light and darkness. If you believe in me, you'll walk in the light, and you won't walk in the darkness. If you don't believe in me, you will walk in the darkness. I, I had Brother, Brother Scott read as our text this morning as we had our scriptural text to read uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 3. There, the Apostle Paul is really illustrating exactly what Jesus is saying here in this first part of the section I just read, I am the light of the world. I am the light. You walk in me, you walk in light. And, and he said, here's, here's what a dark world looks like. And in that, he, he talked about, you know, in these last days, these difficult times, men are going to love self, they're going to love money, they become boastful, arrogant, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gospelous, out of control, treacherous, reckless, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and on and on and on. And Paul there just describes what a really dark world looks like. And, and I think you would have to admit he describes in those verses exactly what our world is looking more and more like today. He's saying this is what darkness is. Uh, we just got back from the, the valley in Peru and, you know, one of the things that we noticed four years ago when we first went into that valley, when Todd and I first went down there together on sort of a, a vision trip, an, an exploratory trip, one of the things we noticed there was there was a lot of darkness. There, there were a lot of idols. There were a lot of shrines to these various saints and idols all around. Uh, on the side of the road, you'd be driving along on the side of a mountain, and it just hewn in the rock there would be a thing with a, with a shrine set in. It was some kind of idol out in the middle of nowhere. Every time you went into a city, the city gate usually had next to it this shrine with some kind of an idol in it. And you went in the town, there was no light of Christ shining anywhere. There was darkness. There was sin. We went in there one time for a festival, and we found that the festivals, which were supposedly church festivals, were filled with darkness. They were filled with debauchery. They were filled with drunkenness. They were, they were just a, a, an excuse to celebrate whatever and, and get drunk and just carouse the whole week. And we saw that, and we thought, man, there is a lot of darkness here. There's a lot of, of lack of light, spiritually speaking, in this place. I want to tell you one of the greatest joys of this trip, four years later, for Todd and I was to go back into the valley and, and, and meet up with some people that we met four years ago and see the amount of light that has come to that place, to see the amount of light that has come in many people's lives. Now, one of the things we found out in the valley is they're also smart people. We don't go to the valley during the rainy season for a fairly good reason. It rains all the time. And the roads get a little more treacherous, and it's cold and rainy, even though it's summer there. And you, but you can look up on top of the mountains just above us and see they're white with snow. But, but, and we don't go there because it's just, the weather's just kind of difficult, and sometimes the roads cave in and, and you can't get around. And so, so we don't go there most of the time in, in the rainy season. We found out on this trip another good reason not to go during the rainy season, and that is a lot of them don't stay in the valley during the rainy season. They go to Peru, they go to Lima, or they go to Waral, and they, they go visit family. And we got to Pacareas, and we saw maybe six people in the whole village. Now, some were out in the fields, because it is the time they're planting and tilling and, 
and, and getting their flocks fed in the fields this time. But, but in the, we saw about six people in all of Pacaraeus, and, and, and just nobody was there. We actually went back to Lima to meet with Hubino and to teach him uh, in his, uh, some pastoral training, pastoral teaching. And we found, went to uh, Waral and found Magna, who had been the manager of Culpa most of the time we'd been there, and we ran them down. We would have, we would have been good police agents during this trip because we had to track people down, and we were able to. But when we got to Waral, we had called and gotten in touch with Magna. She met us on the plaza, uh, which is the city square, and and it was an interesting time. They were having a big protest, a big uh, demonstration there against something about education. I didn't understand it because I don't speak Spanish and I couldn't read their signs. But I, I, we wanted to get right in the middle of it and take a picture and just see what would happen. We did that, but we didn't do that. But we did find Magna. And Magna said, well, uh, let's go back to, uh, let's go up to Sharon's office, her daughter, who now works in Warhol. And she took us up to her office, and we went in there, and the office was about as big as, not very big. It had two desks in it, one for Sharon, one for her boss, and they set us down at, at, uh, in some chairs they brought in, and we sat there talk, uh, listening mainly in Spanish. And, and Mom just starts talking to Sharon's boss, who is a, an official there in the city, and, and she's talking to her, and she doesn't let up. She just keeps talking. So finally, I lean over to one of our interpreters, and I said, what is she saying? And he said, she's telling him what Christ has done in her life. She's telling him about how we had come to the valley sharing the gospel and how she had come to know Christ and that she was baptized. She was the first person we baptized in the valley. And that she had come to know Christ and she was baptized and she was walking with Christ. And she just went on this long exposition. And I, I, I couldn't help but think about this passage from John. When we met Magna, she was walking in darkness. And now she's walking in light. You know, it was, it was a joy to hear her. And she went on and on. And, and, and the, the man was a captive audience. He was over in the corner. He couldn't get by us. And she was telling him about Christ. It was glorious. Or to sit with Humino, uh, with, with Humino uh, back in Lima. We tracked him down. And uh, we went and we spent Thursday afternoon and Friday morning with Hubino just teaching him the word in pastoral training. And we, uh, just to watch him, when, when I first met him a couple of years ago, I, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know I'd met him, to be honest with you, until I saw him again this time. He doesn't, his picture doesn't do him justice uh, that we have floating around. I didn't think I'd ever met him, but I'd met him. But he, it's as different as night and day. It's as different as light and darkness to talk with Hubino. And he, he laid there in his bed. He had, had a hernia surgery last Friday. And, and he laid there in his bed. Some people saw pictures on Facebook of, of us there with him. And they said, why is Hubino laying down? Well, he just had surgery. And, and we thought maybe he would say, I don't feel like this. But he wanted to be taught the Word. He wanted to understand more about the light. And so, so we taught him, and we instructed him, and he asked questions, and he had his Bible, and we, we studied that together. And I saw that there was a great light in Hubino's life that was not there just a few years ago when we first went into the valley. Because he had now had a walk with Christ that was, that was clear. He was no longer walking in darkness. He was walking in the light. And, and we spent time with him. And, and, and even on Thursday, they, they fed us and prepared a meal for us, a meal of potatoes and spaghetti, cow stomach, and uh, cow lungs or something. We thought it was cow kidney, but we found out later it wasn't kidney. It was stomach and lung or 
something. Anyway, it was, it was, it was lunch. The cat enjoyed most of it because one of our interpreters just kept feeding the cat. They still need some light on food, I think, in Peru. But, but we had a great time in the Word, just instructing him. And there was this, there was this light, and his wife, Marciana, sat there, and, and she was soaking up every word that we were speaking and talking and responding and, and, and going back and forth. And it, it's a joy to know that now that church in Vichacocha is going to be have, have Hubino and, and another gentleman, uh, Saturnino, who is going to be, uh, Saturnino, who is going to be uh, uh, pastoring that church. And, and Hubino said, you know, since we have Saturnino here uh, for a year, and, and he's been a pastor in other villages, he said, what I'd like to do is I'd really like to go over into Pacareas or maybe and also up into Viscas and, and minister the, to the saints up there, to the believers up there. They need a church. They need to hear the word. And so this light is shedding through the valley, not just through us going there and, and one, six times a year or so saying, here, here's the truth, but now the light has captivated them, and they're walking in the light, and their desire is not just to say, okay, teach us, help us, show us, but it's to share the light with the rest of the valley. We've prayed for that, and what a joy it was. And that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness. He who follows me will not be like the descriptors in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of what a, a world of darkness is. And, and Paul there even goes on to say, I want you to understand that what leads out of that darkness, what is the cure to that darkness, what is the, 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 the correction of that darkness is there in the last part, it's the scripture. It's all Scripture. It's God's Word. It's His, it's His truth. All Scripture inspired by, breathed out by God that will, will teach you and correct you and reprove you and equip you for light, will equip you for living in His light and walking in His light and not in the darkness. Jesus says, I want you to understand, He who follows me, there's that idea of following Christ. In, in his day, and it says even there in verse 30 that many came to believe, in other words, came to follow on the basis of what Jesus is teaching there in the temple at the, the Feast of the Tabernacles. But that idea, he who follows me, that, that is a present participle. And, and the idea there is a continuous following. It's not like many of the disciples or many of those in that day who said, oh, we'll follow him as long as the 5,000 are being fed, as long as we're seeing miracles, as long as we're having our bellies filled, and we'll follow after him. But when he turns around and says, if you really want to follow me, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they said, whoa, that's too hard a thing for us. And they turned and walked away. It's not that kind of following at all. It's not like the ones that John talked about in John uh, in First John, in his first epistle, when the church there was asking, what about those who lived among us, they worshipped with us, they, they, they were here with us for so long, they, they looked like us, they acted like us, but now they've gone out from us. And John said, listen, if they went out from you, you need to understand something, they never really are, were of you. If you go out, you, you don't know this light. If you leave, you don't know the light. You, you may have been basking in the light of others. You may have been enjoyed being around the light that others were experiencing in Christ, and, and that might have been for a season. But those who went out just never really knew the light. They never had the light of life 
in their life. This, this idea of following is a continuous following, a, a following to the bitter end, even when there's persecution, even when there's, there's difficult times, even when the world around us is filled with darkness. We're following that light. We're following Christ and never walking in the darkness. The, the coming of the light that Jesus is talking about here is a light that transforms a man or woman. When that light is a reality in your life, it transforms you. Jesus talked in John 3 about it being born again. Uh, new life erupts. New life comes forth. This light transforms a man or a woman and transforms them permanently. It's not a temporary thing. It's not a, hey, I'm different today, but I'm back my same old self tomorrow. There's a transformation whereby we follow, whereby we continue to follow Christ in His truth and by His Word. The Pharisees say, we don't like what you're saying. The Pharisees, the Pharisees said, listen, you're, you're testifying about yourself. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. That's a testimony of yourself. You can't be telling the truth. You see... In, in Judaism's law, it said that for something to be confirmed as true, you had to have at least two witnesses, and, and two or three or four were even better. But you had to have at least two witnesses. And so they said, here you are, you're testifying about yourself. So, so your testimony is not true. Jesus said, I want you to understand something about my testimony. My testimony bears the two biggest witnesses that there could be the Father, and the Son. My testimony is borne out by the Father, and he appeals to several things here. He appeals first to his mission in verse 14. He says, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. And there he's relating and, and, and referring primarily to the cross there. I know where I'm going. I know what my mission is, but you don't know where I came from, or you don't know where I'm going. You have no idea who I am. But he says, I want you to know I'm here on a mission. I'm here for a purpose. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. You think I came from, you think I came from Nazareth. You think I'm Joseph's son and Mary's son. And you think I came up here of my own initiative, and I'm just trying to, to gather a following. He said, you don't have a clue. You don't know where I came from. Indicating he didn't come from Nazareth first and foremost. He came from the Father. He said, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. The second thing he does, he appeals directly to his father's presence with him. In verse 16, he said, but even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it, but I and the father uh, who sent me. He says, here's the testimony. Here are the witnesses. I'm giving you a witness of who I am, but the Father is with me, and the Father is showing me. I'm not alone in this. The Father stands with me, and I stand with the Father. And, and it's, it's interesting there that this relationship is shown there. The Father and I are one is kind of implied there to be understood. But again, he's saying it's the miracles. It's the signs. It, those are the evidence, those are the testimony from the Father that I am who I say I am. In verse 23, he appeals to his divine origin. They continue saying, uh, you're going to kill yourself? What are you talking about? He says to them, verse 23, you are from below, but I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. There is his divine origin 
that he talks about there and that he points to there. He speaks from the standpoint of one who has come from the heavenly places into the world. He says, my testimony bears a greater knowledge, a greater truth, a greater understanding because of where I came from. And then he appeals to a future lifting up in verse 28, what the end of his mission is. He said, so you lift up the Son of Man and you will know that I am He. You see in verse 24, he made the statement, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And then here he comes back to that same statement, When you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He, and I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father has taught me. And if you're looking at a translation that gives you these kind of indicators, you'll notice both in verse 24 and in verse 28 that the word he there, you will know that I am he, is in italics. That's not for emphasis. That's to say that word he there is not in the original Greek text. It's put there to help us understand it in our English way of expressing things. Really what Jesus is saying there is, when you lift up the Son of Man, talking to His crucifixion, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am Yahweh. I am. Ego I me. I am He. I am the one who spoke in the wilderness through the burning bush when Moses said, Who shall I say has sent me? And you tell them that I am has sent you. And here Jesus say, When I am lifted up, when, when you lift me up, when you crucify me, he said, you will know then, you will learn then that I am. I am the one. I am the light. I am the light of life. I am the one who gives life. I am the one who shows life. I am the one who reveals the way. So he appeals to his mission. He appeals to his father's presence with him. He appeals to his divine origin, where he came from. And he appeals to his future lifting up. The impending exaltation of the son through the cross and ultimately through the resurrection. He says, this will vindicate my teaching. This will show you clearly and emphatically who I am. And there will be no question about that. I am the light of the world. There there are basically three applications here I want you to see. and We'll look at more of this next week. But I, I want you to see three things that Jesus is saying here. First of all, he's saying to those religious leaders, those Pharisees, and, and by... Uh, by application, saying it to you and me, that we must not trust our own judgment in spiritual matters. Remember, these Pharisees were the spiritual leaders. They thought they knew it all. And they were making judgment about him that was incorrect, that was wrong. And they were saying, you can't say that, and you can't say you're the light. You can't say you have life in you. You're just testifying yourselves. They were depending on on their own judgment. They were trusting in their own judgment in spiritual matters. But their judgment, like our judgment, is limited. We can't just say, well, I think I'm all right spiritually because I just think that. My idea is that if I follow my heart, you've heard people say that, I just follow my heart in in spiritual matters. Well, your heart's deceptive. 
your heart will mislead you. You've heard the others say, well, I just have my own idea about these spiritual things. Well, your own ideas will be wrong because of the sinfulness, the depravity that's in every man. You can't trust your own judgment in spiritual matters. I can't trust my own, my own judgment in spiritual matters. We are not impartial. We are not without bias. So we must not trust our own way of looking at things. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon said that. In, Sol- in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, one of the most well-known passages out of Proverbs probably, uh, uh, Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. That's what Jesus is saying here. You've got to quit leaning on your own understanding. You've got to quit leaning on your own ideas. You've got to quit leaning on, on what you want to be right, and you've got to lean on the truth of God's Word. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is inspired, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's profitable for everything you need. But what you must do is you must get God's light and God's Word into your heart and mind and follow that, not follow your own ideas, not follow your own understanding, not follow your own judgment in spiritual matters. So the first thing, you can't trust in yourself. Second. We, we should trust in the Lord Jesus Christ here emphatically and completely. We don't trust on our own understanding, but we should trust Him because of who He is. He says, I am the light. I have the testimony of the Father. I have come from above. I'm not of this world. I, I am from Him who has sent me. I mean, on and on and on. He said, listen, Here's what you need to understand. I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will guide you. Don't listen to your own self, but lean on Him. Trust in Him. Trust in His Word. And then thirdly, if the Word of Jesus is true, the Word of Christ is true, in this passage and others, and I might add it is, you need to realize that it is true. But if the word of Jesus Christ is true, then we should bow before him as Savior and follow him as Lord. Bow before him as Savior, acknowledging that he is the Christ. He does go to the cross. He did raise from the dead. He was the sacrifice and the substitute. And we must bow before him and say, I can do nothing to save myself. I trust you as my Savior to save me from my sin. But then we follow him as Lord. It's not just a matter of saying, okay, I'll take you for Savior. And now I'll go do my own thing. I'll, I'll, I'll take you as Savior, and then I'll go and, and live my own life and trust in my own judgments and trust in my own spiritual heart, if you will. No, I trust you as Savior, and I follow Him as Lord. That's what He's saying here. That's what He's calling us to here. He's called us here to follow Him in such a way that the darkness will disappear. And you know what causes darkness to disappear is light. 
You know, you don't you know, go into a room and, and, and it's, it's lit up with lights and everything and say, okay, uh, if you would, uh, turn on the darkness. You don't turn on the darkness. You take away the light and it becomes dark because darkness is, a, is an absence of light. But when you're in a dark room, you, you don't say, well, let's drive the darkness out just by yelling at it and saying, leave darkness. You turn on the light. What Jesus is saying here is, listen, in your life, the only way to keep from walking in darkness is to walk in light, and I am the light. The only way to not walk in darkness is to follow me. I will expose, I will show. I used that illustration in, in, in the valley on Tuesday night when I preached at the church in Vichicocha. They gathered hastily a group of people together, and I would preached on verse 12 last Sunday, so I thought, well, I'll just preach on verse 12 there, and I did. And, and I, I kind of used what we were doing in the valley, and I said, you know, we're up here, and it's dark, and it's raining, and it was raining that night very bad. And I said, you know, when we go down the mountain there a little bit, go back down to, to Culpa, to the place we stayed, I said, we're going to depend heavily on the headlights on that truck we're driving. The road is curvy and, and switchbacks and all sorts of things, and we wouldn't dare try to go down the, the road without those headlights. And, and those headlights are sufficient. But, you know, when we went up there earlier in the day to try to find the people and, and see if we could gather them together, we didn't, we didn't have to have our lights on because the sun was, well, it was behind clouds, but it was shining, it was daylight, and so, uh, in reality, the, the sunlight of day made those truck lights look very weak and very, and, and very pale at night. And so, so we came to realize that, that truck lights are good, but they are nothing compared to the sunlight, especially the next day when the clouds parted and it was kind of pretty on Wednesday morning up there, and, and there was no rain, and, and the sun was shining, and the blue, sky was blue. And those lights we'd used the night before were absolutely nothing compared to the sunlight. There's no comparison. But I want you to understand, as good as the sunlight is, that the sunlight is no comparison to the light of Christ. He is the ultimate light. He is the true light. He is the pure light. And if you follow Him, Jesus says, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. If you follow me in a continuous relationship as doulos, slave of Christ, as disciple of Christ, one who's learning from him, as child of God, one who's been adopted into his family and made a part of his family. I mean, there's all sorts of illustrations of scripture, but if you follow me, the darkness will flee, Jesus said. Not because the sun's shining, not because you got a light on your car. But darkness will flee spiritually because the greatest light of all time will shine in your life and guide your way. Don't trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, that is, follow Him, declare Him as Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. 
I can't help but think that's exactly what Jesus wanted us to see in this passage in John's gospel about the light, about his truth. Follow me and you will follow the truth. Follow me and you will be in the light. Follow me and you will have the light of life and you won't die in your sins. But if you don't follow me, that's exactly what will happen. You will die in your sins with your sins uncovered, with your sins not dealt with by the only one who can deal with them, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus says to us, follow. Listen. Look to the light and believe and know that I am He. I am the living and the true God. Let's pray together. question that flows out of this is, have you been transformed permanently by His light? The question that flows out of this is, have you really believed in Him? Do you know His love? Do you know His forgiveness? Do you know His light? He who follows me will never walk in darkness. He who follows me will have an understanding of life that comes not from your own being, but from him. Because Jesus says, my testimony is true. And the Father is confirming it over and over and over through the signs and the miracles that you see. Father, help us walk in your light. Help us know your life emphatically. Keep us from walking in the darkness. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name.